0: kids are going to face the enticement of sinners. Wicked people are going to endeavor to turn your kids on to all manner of wickedness. And we need to help our children to know how to resist that onslaught that is coming at them all the time. We have a culture that is not easily quarantined. Those wicked people that try to turn your children on to wickedness are not old people that are dangerous people that they can watch out for. They're young people like your kids. My son of sinners entice you. Don't give in to them.
1: Today on our series, A Proverb, A Day in May, our keynote speaker at this year's Definitions Conference, Dr. Ted Tripp, will talk about how to teach the next generation to stand strong in a day that is against them is going to attack them and try to tear them down. Stay tuned for that message, but first, we're talking once again with Lydia Brown back as we break down the book of Proverbs and how to break into it as a personal study guide. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. I have to make a confession that as a pastor and as a Bible teacher and someone who's been teaching for a while, um, I, I have this tendency, especially in my depth of study, to talk about the Bible in ways and terms that might not really connect with everybody in the audience because everyone's at a different level. And sometimes, I, I know, I fall into this trap as a, a Bible teacher to talk in terms that are way above people's heads. And that doesn't mean that theology isn't important. In fact, we've made a commitment this year to to help you understand the importance of theology by using Paul David Tripp's book, Do You Believe? Uh, Taking one chapter, or really there's two chapters, they're, they're coupled together, but one of those doctrines for every month of the year to break them down for you. But one of the things I like so much about Paul David Tripp's book is that it makes theology practical. It makes it helpful for you to see how it fits into your everyday life. It's not an academic book. Nothing wrong with academic books. I enjoy them, and I I hope that eventually you'll grow a taste for going deeper in your own study of theology. But if we're not breaking it down, especially for children and younger uh, middle school students and high schoolers, if we're not breaking it down to where they can understand it, we will lose them. Despite all the fact that we're communicating things beautifully and accurately, We have to look back and make sure that we are shepherding their hearts and that they are actually following along with us. That's why the book of Proverbs is so beautiful and so valuable and why we're excited about uh, this coming up uh, May 14th, Saturday, May 14th, our definitions conference with Dr. Ted Tripp. Uh, Paul Tripp's brother, mind you, he's the one who wrote the book on theology. His brother, Ted Tripp, has written the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. And so we have just a lot of great content coming this year uh, through the broadcast. You'll hear a little bit more from him later on in the program. But today we're talking with Lydia Brownback, who is the author of two books on the book of Proverbs. The first is a Bible study from the Knowing the Bible series. And the second, a woman's wisdom, how the book of Proverbs speaks to everything. And Lydia, I do think that the book of Proverbs is pragmatic, but as a pastor, I I know I have this tendency to spend most of my time breaking down the doctrines and the richness and the accuracy of the Word of God that sometimes I fail to see the necessity of communicating the practical aspects of the Word of God to, to my listeners. And the book of Proverbs is actually very helpful for that.
2: You know, I think, of course, pastors want to be uh, focusing on bringing out the gospel, bringing out uh, the whole counsel of God and how and the overarching storyline of the Bible. And they're very careful, rightly so, in this day and age where you do have so much shallow preaching out there. I think pastors want to be careful to present scripture faithfully. And, and so to kind of hone in on a particular topic, um, I think this just... Somehow, just isn't happening as much in sermons. Just maybe the time. Um, maybe it's more Sunday school classes. I'm not sure. But Proverbs, and you you mentioned that it's not preached through very often, and and that's that's a really good point. I don't think I have ever heard a sermon series from the pulpit on Proverbs. Hmm. So yeah, that that's uh, that's a great point. And I you know I I it can be done. Uh, without having to say, you know, this week we're going to talk about this topic or that topic. There's so much in the book. If you preach through the entire book of Proverbs as a unified whole, you're going to be bringing in the the overarching storyline of the Bible. It's all through. It's threaded all through Proverbs.
1: I think for myself, at least, it's been an exercise of learning uh, from the wisdom of Proverbs, actually how to articulate very practical steps to my congregation that I want them to spend time in the book of Proverbs. In fact, I think in many ways a a lot of my preaching is a demonstration to the listener on how we ought to be reading the Bible, how we ought to be approaching different genres of Scripture. And the book of Proverbs really demands us to wrestle with our how the word of God actually infiltrates our daily living. It's not simply yeah. something that we can isolate and keep in in a story or keep in a a, uh, a narrative. It's something that actually infiltrates our our day to day living.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it, it's 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 the living, breathing application of deep theological truths to day to day life so uh, the fact that you're working that into what you're doing is is incredible and uh, i love how you devote um may to the the month of may to a focus on on proverbs and and uh, you know i know my my church right now is is in our bible reading plan we're reading through proverbs at the moment and and conversations that come up in our small groups and and just in, even in the narthex after church and and it does generate a great deal of discussion because it is so practical and because every one of us is being impacted, convicted, encouraged, challenged by go to go to any chapter, any few proverbs, we're all gonna feel that way. We're all gonna find something that we need to chew on.
1: Hmm. And there's so many There's so many topics, and you really can't go very far. Once you get through the first nine chapters, into chapter 10, you start to see all of these very, it seems almost disorganized, but the more you spend time with it, and the years and years you put into it, uh, the more you start to see there there are reoccurring patterns, and almost every single chapter addresses some issue you're going to be facing. So, even if you just pull out one verse uh, for our proverb a day in May, it's going to give you a nugget that you can chew on uh, for the rest of that day, at least, and and put into practice immediately.
2: Absolutely. Uh, I don't think it's something that we can exhaust in this lifetime.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we can go back to it. Uh, I, I know one pastor who reads a chapter of Proverbs a day, since there's 31 chapters, that's most months, and uh, he is committed to doing that for the rest of his life. And, it's, you know, I think if, if we're going to read chapter 10 this month, you know, next May, next April, whenever we read it again, we're going to pick up new things from it. It's going to hit us in a different way. We are never going to exhaust this, the resources in this book for our life, for our lifetime. We will need it. We will grow from it. We will profit by it uh, every day.
1: We've been talking with Lydia Brownback, who is the author of two great books on the book of Proverbs. The first is a study guide, a 12-week study guide you can do with your your ladies' Bible study. It's from the Knowing the Bible series. And her second book is called A Woman's Wisdom, How the Book of Proverbs Speaks to Everything. You can find out more information about both of her books by giving us a call 508-362-7070. As pastors, as well as parents and grandparents, we have been commissioned with a great task to to pass on our faith to the next generation. It's not just about us growing up, it's making sure that those behind us are following, that they're keeping up with us so that we can show them and help them along the way. That's why I'm so excited about our conference coming up on Saturday, May 14th, with Dr. Ted Tripp, along with his beautiful wife, uh, Margie, who is going to be talking a little bit about prodigals and what to do when they're a little bit rebellious. Uh, Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife Margie have really uh, created and crafted a message that how to communicate to the heart of your child to communicate the gospel to your child. And quite honestly, that is what song time is all about, making sure that we are articulating the gospel to those who come behind us. In this message, we're going to break into our, our continued series with Dr. Ted Tripp in the book of Proverbs, as he's teaching us how and why we need to be teaching this to our children, because if you're not teaching them, if you are not the primary source of teaching, then somebody else is, and they are not going to lead them on the path of righteousness here is dr ted tripp
0: third foundational issue in this passage is disassociation from the wicked my son if sinners entice you do not give in to them now i'm persuaded the if here is not should such a strange thing ever happen is the enticement of sinners your kids are going to face the enticement of sinners wicked people are going to endeavor to turn your kids on to all manner of wickedness and we need to help our children to know how to resist that onslaught that is coming at them all the time. We have a culture that is not easily quarantined. Those wicked people that try to turn your children onto wickedness, they're not little wizened men in trench coats with warts on their noses saying, Psh, kid, come over here. They're the young people that come into your house. They're the kids from your church, your Christian school, your neighborhood, people that call you Mr. and Mrs., the people that are going to try to turn your kids onto wickedness are not old people that are dangerous people that they can watch out for. They're young people like your kids. My son of sinners, entice you. Don't give in to them. But I want you to notice something else in this passage. What is the attraction of camaraderie with the wicked? My son, come along with us. Now circle us in your mind's eye. Come along with us. Let us lie away for someone's and wait for someone's blood. Let us waylay some harmless soul. Let us swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who go down in the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us, we will share a common purse. My son did not go along with them. What's the what is the attraction of association with the wicked? It's belonging. The wicked are offering belonging. Come along with us. We will share our common purse. We will fill our houses with all kinds of plunder. Come along with us. We'll swallow them alive like the grave and whole like those who get out of the pit. You're going to belong. The attraction of camaraderie with the wicked is belonging. I mean, the whole gang phenomenon in this country. What's that? It's belonging. The gang is a surrogate family. We're dealing with teenagers. They feel insecure about themselves. They're wondering if they're marketable, if someone's going to come into the Walmart of life and put them in the basket and take them home. They're they're apprehensive about the future. They're unstable emotionally and in the world of ideas. They, They desperately need a place where they belong. They need to be embraced. They need to be welcomed. We need to make our homes places where teenagers belong where our teenagers are welcomed, where our teenagers are embraced, where we have time for our kids and we're willing to engage them and we're willing to be with them and we're willing to know their friends and talk to their friends and interact with their friends, where our homes are places where teenagers are welcomed and embraced. There are so many displaced kids in this culture. If you have a home that welcomes teenagers and you've got teenage kids, you will have no shortage of kids because this culture is full of displaced kids. And we need to make we need to make our homes places where our kids are engaged, where we have time for our kids a couple of illustrations when i worked for geneva college my boss was a very clever man he had a son that had been in trouble uh juvenile probation for marijuana possession that sort of thing and he's uh this boy liked to work with his hands and so carl did something very clever he bought a house he bought a fixer upper house he said to his son every night after dinner we'll go work on the house for a couple hours and when we sell the house We'll split the profit, and you can put that money aside for college or something in the future. So every night, Carl and his son would go work on the house. Now, you see what this dad had done. He had created a context for spending time with his son, where they could have conversations that began naturally and developed organically. And many nights, they ended up spending, you know, the last couple of hours just sitting back against the wall, leaning back, talking to each other. And this dad's engaging his boy. He came up with a creative context for spending time with his son. Now, that young man's an elder in his church today. And I think from a human perspective, by no small degree, because he had dad who was willing to engage him. We need to be engaging our kids. We need to be involving ourselves with our kids, spending time with our kids. And, you know, if, you, if you're willing to engage kids, you, as I said, you'll have no shortage of kids. Now, you know, uh, it doesn't take much either. I mean, you just have to be willing to love them and engage them. Having some food around won't hurt either, but uh, uh, we we have a hemp rope in front of our house. And I cannot tell you the number of times there were three or four teenagers on that rope swing and others standing in line. And my wife and I would sit there on the porch and say, no one would believe this unless we told them that teenagers will hang around with old people and swing on a rope swing. But if you're willing to engage kids, you will find they will engage. It's going to mean that they're going to kick the coke over in your living room. You know, they're going to they're gonna sit on your furniture. But, you know, I, I look at all that and I think, what difference does it make? I'm not running a museum. My stuff is to be used up to the glory of God. And, you know, you, I mean, you, you don't have anything that special anyway. I mean, you know, your kids are going to back a dumpster up to your house someday and dump all the stuff in there. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll keep a few mementos. You know, I mean, no matter how nice your house is, trees are going to grow up through it someday. Or else someone will knock it down and build something nice there. <laughs> we need to use our stuff to the glory of God and have our, our homes be open. And, you know, you'll just find no shortage of kids. I remember a few years ago, must have been five or six years ago, we had that Northeaster that came through and um, we got 31 inches of snow. We came out of church on the Lord's Day morning, 10 inches or so on the ground and another 30 hours of snow behind it. So we canceled our evening service, went home. Margie and I got to our lane. We live on a lane that's six tenths of a mile long. We got to the lane There are young people slipping and sliding in cars on our lane i said to Marjorie, you see what these kids are doing they're coming to our house to be snowed in with us and that's exactly what happened we had 18 of them until wednesday the next week the, the governor closed the roads for three days but the fact is you know if you are willing to engage kids you'll have a shortage of kids and we need to be creative in thinking of things to do with our kids when our kids were teenagers we took a bicycle vacation one summer we rode our bicycles from our home in northeastern Pennsylvania to Niagara Falls and back. It was about 650 miles round trip. And we carried our sleeping bags, our tents, everything on our bikes. And every day we rode between 50 and 80 miles. And every day the kids kept a journal of that day's ride through their eyes. And then after we got home, we read those journal entries, a night's worth at a time, at family worship. And we would just remind ourselves of the fun things we did. High adventure, the kids called it. That was High adventure that year when they went back to school they had a mesh tan on the back of their hands like the bicycling gloves and uh every time they were writing they had a reminder they had been part of something special that summer it was what our family did not what their team did i think we need to question the extent to which we're willing to have our kids spread all over a three-county area all involved in their own activities we have no time to be a family we have no time to read and pray together we have no time to have meals together because all the kids are off doing their own thing we're taking great pride in the fact they're all off doing their own thing And I think to myself, why on earth are we doing this? Where in the Bible does it say this is something desirable for Christian families? We're just doing it because that's what the culture is doing. The people in your church are doing it because that's what the culture is doing. And so they don't have time to come to midweek services and so forth because everybody's out running around doing their own thing. We need to make our homes places where kids are, are engaged and loved and served.
1: Today's proverb a day for May comes from Proverbs chapter 4. And for anyone who is curious on how this series works out and breaks down, just look at the calendar. Look at today's date. Everyone's got a smartphone, and on it you have a calendar. So it's not that hard to figure out what today's date is. Even if you get a little confused, you're never too far away from a calendar, at least not these days. So you read the corresponding chapter in the book of Proverbs with that particular day. So it's May 4th. So we're looking at Proverbs chapter 4. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs and 31 days in May, so you can figure out how it works out. It's not really rocket science. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious. I, I'm, I'm not playing down to you. I know you've figured this out, but we want to help you to see the importance of the book of Proverbs. And my favorite proverb from chapter 4 is verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. When the Bible, in particular the the book of Proverbs, talks about the heart, what it is doing is describe the center of who we are as a human being, the very core of our emotions, the seat of our emotions, the seat of our soul, and the seat of our spirituality. And in this, when we guard our heart, we are guarding our loves. And we are guarding our loves, we are putting things in their correct order. This is the great Shema from Deuteronomy 6, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is the commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. What you love dictates your actions. And when you love things correctly, when you keep your heart with vigilance, all of the other things that flow out of your life will be measured. This is Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God. Make that the love of your life, the, 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 the love of your heart. And all of these things will be added to you. So we must guard our heart. And most importantly, we must guard the heart of those that we love. We must make sure that they are loving the things that are right, accurate, and true. To train up a child to love the Lord our God with all of their heart, with all of their mind, with all of their soul so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. With that being said, our guest this year at the Definitions Conference coming up Saturday, May 14th, are Dr. Ted Tripp and his wife, Margie. They are the founders of the ministry Shepherding the Heart, and that is exactly what they're going to be talking about on Saturday, May 14th. They'll be joined by some other great teachers, including Dr. James Manganello, who is a Christian psychologist talking about uh, the mental health issues facing adolescents. This is a very important conference and something that is designed for every single one of you. So I hope that you will be able to join us on Saturday, May 14th. You need to pre-register, so you can head over to our website at songtime.com or give us a call, 508 362 7070. To support us and the work that we're doing to reach the next generation for Christ, you can write to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, and be sure to sign up for our social media so that you can share this great content and your favorite proverb a day in May. Don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue our series as we explore the importance of communicating wisdom to the next generation.
0: If I ask you about your communication skills, most of us immediately instinctively think of our ability to express our ideas with words. And I would like to submit to you that in a biblical vision, the finest art of communication is the ability to understand the other person.
1: On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it.